Hello, this is Pastor John Willingham of Doralstown Presbyterian Church. As our podcast audience continues to grow, I want to thank our loyal listeners and welcome those who may have just recently found us. We know that life can quickly become busy, so this podcast offers an on-the-go opportunity to hear Sunday's sermon, along with the scripture lesson read by that day's lay leader or preacher. We also encourage you to visit our website at dtownpc.org to learn more about our church and all of our diverse ministries. Thank you for tuning in. After Gideon died, the Israelites lived under seven judges spanning approximately 107 years. Since the intervening scriptures only specific on the years the judges served, except for one exception, it's as close as we're going to get. Let us attend to these words from the Old Testament from Judges 13, 1 through 25, from the NRSV. The Israelites again did what was evil in sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah, of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren, having borne no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Although you are barren, having borne no children, you shall conceive and bear a son. Now be careful not to drink wine or strong drink, or eat anything unclean, for you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor is to come to his head, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth. It is he who shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, A man from God came to me, and his appearance was like that of an angel of God most awe-inspiring. I did not ask him where he came from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from birth to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, O Lord, I pray, let the man of God whom you sent come to, come to us again and teach us what we are to do concerning the boy who will be born. God had listened to Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field, but her husband Manoah was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. Manoah got up and followed his wife and came to the man and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Then Manoah said, Now when your words come true, what is to be the boy's rule of life? What is he to do? The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman give heed to all that I said to her. She may not eat anything that comes from the vine. She is not to drink wine or strong drink, or eat any unclean thing. She is to observe 
everything that I commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, allow us to detain you and prepare a kid for you. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you want to prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name so that we may honor you when your words come true? But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name? It is too wonderful. So Manoah took the kid with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to him who works wonders. When the flame went up towards heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended into the flame of the altar while Manoah and his wife looked on, and they fell on their faces to the ground. The angel of the Lord did not appear again to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah realized that it was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would have not accepted a burnt offering and green offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. The spirit of the Lord began to stir in him in Manahadan, where Zorah and Esteban. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for bringing us here to this place, this time. We thank you for your word that speaks to us in ways that are, are surprising and that challenge us. Give us ears to hear, hearts to respond, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our second reading today comes from the book of Romans the end of chapter 4, the beginning of chapter 5. I'll be reading from the message translation. It is found in your bulletin. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say, um, it's hopeless, this hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promise, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it is said, Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham it's also us. The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life when the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God set us right with God. 
by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him, we have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. This is the word of the Lord. Well, as we continue our journey through the book of Judges, we now come to the story of Samson. This chapter begins with words that we have heard time and time again this summer. The Israelites again did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they were given over into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. All of these stories are set in a time and a place. This one begins in Zorah with a man from the tribe of Dan. His name is Manoah and his unnamed wife. They are childless. Again, a similar story, a familiar story. A woman is barren, unable to bear children. And we know that in that time, in that culture, progeny was very important. Infertility was considered a shame. Women were regarded and identified by who they married and how many children they had and who their children were. The Hebrew text is littered with the plight of many women, beginning uh, with Sarah, Abraham's wife, who gave birth to Isaac after she encountered a divine visitor, an angel of the Lord. Or we think of Hannah, the wife of a temple priest who prayed for a child and was given a son, Samuel the prophet. Rachel, the beloved wife of Jacob, who was unable for many years to have children to Jacob while her sister Leah produced ten sons. And in the New Testament, of course, we know the story of Jesus' birth begins with Elizabeth, who is the wife of the temple priest Zechariah, who is also barren. But Zechariah is given a promise that they will have a son, and they do, John the Baptist. Which, of course, brings us in our remembrance to Mary, the young woman who was betrothed to Joseph, and the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, you will have a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Well, in our story, an angel, a man, appears to Mrs. Manoah and gives her a prediction and a promise. You will bear a son. He will be the redeemer of Israel. He will rescue them from the oppression of the Philistines. Now, obviously, this was a promise that would not be realized for many, many years. But the redemption of Israel 
from the hands of the Philistines could also take years. There are many curious things in this story. The divine visitor gives Mrs. M some very specific instructions. No alcohol, no wine, no strong drink. Eat only certain foods, which from our 21st century understanding is very good advice to be given to a pregnant woman. But in addition, she was instructed on how this soon-to-be-born child was to be raised. He was to be set apart. He was to be dedicated to God even before he was born. The angel says that he is to follow the vows of the Nazarite. Now, the rules of the Nazarite are found in Numbers chapter 6. And that very word, Nazarite, means separated or set apart. Another curiosity, why? What was the benefit for this, for this vow, for this being set apart? Nonetheless, the instructions were clear. For this child was to be special and had a very specific role to play in the circumstances of the nation, and he was to be raised in a very specific way as a witness to this purpose and call of his life. Now, Mrs. Manoa tells her husband about this divine visit and the conversation, and Mr. Manoa wants to be included. He wants to meet this visitor, and so he asks God that the visitor would show up again, which he does. But not to Manoa. The visitor again comes to Mrs. M. She goes and gets her husband and includes him in the conversation. This is curious. This divine visitor speaks to the woman with no name without the benefit of her husband being present. This is an unusual occurrence. We don't know why. So it's one of the mysteries in this story that we sit with, that we let stand. And in the manner of hospitality, Manoah offers to prepare a meal, a young goat with all the trimmings. This is very similar to the story of Gideon that we heard a few weeks ago. <clears throat> a curious request. He also wants to know, what is your name, he says to this man. Who are you? What is your name? We don't know why, but perhaps he wanted to name the child after this divine visitor. Perhaps he wanted to erect a statue in uh, honor of this uh, man, or just wanted to show his appreciation and generosity. But know how the, the angel answers him. The angel says, my name is too wonderful. In the message it says, my name is sheer wonder. If we were to make it more uh, relevant today, might say, my name is awesome. Awesome. And with that, he burnt up the fuel, the, the food offering and disappears into the smoke, just like what happened in Gideon's story. Mrs. Manoa is taking her first steps of faith, and she believed what she was told. 
She explained it to her husband. She bore witness that she believed that this message was coming from God and it had a purpose for her personally, but for the nation as well. And she named the child Samson, Shimon in Hebrew, which means son. This baby was the son of her life, the light of her existence. He was the center of her universe. I recently saw a play, and in the director's notes in the program, he talked about how he listens to a play according to what he calls, or what he describes as, the person in the chair. The one in the chair is the one who's listening. So he says he listens to a play as the writer sitting in the chair. What is this story saying about the one who wrote it? What is, um, as he is listening, what do you hear that gives information about the writer? What does the writer want to convey or reveal? Or he says he might listen to the play as if the main character is in the chair. What do we learn in this story that reveals something about the character, the main character? What words and elements and actions in this story create a deeper understanding of the one who is carrying this story forward? Or he says he might sit in the chair as the audience, someone in the audience who is watching the play, who is listening to the play. What does this story say to them, the ones who are sitting in the chair in the audience. And there are many ways that we can listen to this story in Judges. We can listen to the story as one of the characters, Mrs. M, is her husband Manoah. It's a story of a conversation and a special uh, blessing that came to them from God. The narrator tells us that the visitor is an angel, but without the narrator, what do, does the story tell us? What words are used in this conversation that reveal to us their longing, their faith, their hope? From my chair, as a listener to this story, I was struck by the fact that Mrs. M doesn't, um, isn't afraid to enter in conversation with this stranger who comes to her and tells her a very personal and very deep uh, longing in her own heart. She asks questions. This story also tells me that her husband wanted very much to be a part of the conversation. And he wanted more from this visitor. He wanted to know, who are you? Why are you here? Let me honor you. So there's an engagement by these two characters in this story of wanting more, of discovering more. When we listen to this story from the chair of the narrator, we can ask the questions, the larger questions. So what's this story telling us about the history of Israel? What's this story telling us about them and their circumstances and their state of mind, their faith in God, their needs, their desires? Why is this story in the Bible? 
Why is it preserved? We can ask lots of questions and seek to find some answers. But for us, here in this time, in this place, who are sitting in these chairs, this pew, what does this story have to say to us? What can it teach us? What questions does it raise? Now, one of my favorite questions to ask of scripture when I read something, whether I understand it or not, is the question, so what? So what? What does it mean? What does it mean to those who first heard it? What does it mean in the larger story of the Bible? What does it mean to me if I hear it now in my circumstances? And I think that that's a legitimate question that we can always ask of scripture. So what? What does it mean? What does this 13th chapter of Judges have to do with us today in this time and this place? It's a story certainly that teaches us some history, that makes us familiar with some names of uh, people that we've heard of, Samson, Manoah. But if we look at the pattern of the interactions in these many stories of the Old Testament, as well as the one in front of us today, we see that people are often disobedient, wayward, forgetful of God, and not appreciative of God, not worshiping God, or grateful for what God has done for them. People are oppressed, they're under slavery, they're being conquered and controlled by foreign regimes, and they are not seeking God. They're not trying in the slightest to follow God's laws or walk in God's ways. Through all the stories in the book of Judges that we've been reading this summer, there is one common thread. God shows up. God comes to them. God is the initiator. God sees the needs and God reaches out. God comes and announces good news. God is a God of annunciations. And this is a story. This is an annunciation. Now, annunciations are fascinating to me. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to travel in the Holy Land and, of course, made a stop in Nazareth, the home of Mary, to visit the Church of the Annunciation, which is supposedly built over the home where Mary lived when the angel appeared to her. It's a fabulous, expansive building. And in the main sanctuary, the walls are hung with gorgeous art pieces from all over the world depicting Mary and Jesus. Some of them show Mary and Jesus wearing crowns, dressed in royal robes. Some show Mary with the angel as she receives the announcement. And some show Mary uh, dressed in gold herself with a halo around her head. The Annunciation of Mary is something that we're very familiar with. But the Bible stories, the Bible is littered with stories of annunciation. And Mrs. Manoah had one as well. Time and time again, God showed up. Time and time again, God shows up for us. There are annunciations in our own lives 
And so as the person in the pew, in the chair, listening to the story, part of the invitation of this text is, what have been some of the enunciations in your own life? We might call them aha moments, or when we have clarity on a decision to be made or a path to follow. Some of us have heard the Lord speak to us through scripture, through a gifted writer, or the words of a friend. Some of us, on seeing a work of art, have understood for the first time the love of God and the gift of Christ. Some of us have heard the still, small voice of assurance or felt the power of a musical piece that has touched us and filled us with faith and knowledge and hope. Mrs. Manoa had an Annunciation moment. God showed up. God knew her deepest longing and the needs of her people and gave her a gift which, as God gifts are often called, blessings. And this woman moved forward in her life with faith, believing, receiving, and trusting. She birthed a child and raised him in the way that God had instructed. She raised him to be a servant of the Lord, to be of service to his people and to God. Now, I'm not going to spoil the rest of the story. That's going to follow in the weeks to come. But I will offer this one insight. Things don't always turn out the way they're predicted. And that human vagrancy always enters into our stories. But for us on this day, we're invited to think and about the annunciations in our own lives and that the ways in which we have taken steps of faith or the ways we have been invited for a brief moment to trust where before we had no trust, where we have been assured that God is with us and leading us. And those moments, those annunciations, have become the stepping stones on which we walk. They have become the path that we move forward for another annunciation, another encounter with God, another assurance that God is with us, and another opportunity to live out our faith that we trust in an attentive, intervening God who is faithful and is there for us and will show up. May it be so. As I close in prayer, I'm going to use a prayer that was written by a Irish poet, Patrick Otuma. God of yesterday, we knew you then, your promises, your word, you're walking among us, but yesterday is gone. And so today, we are in need of change. Change and change us. Help us to see life now, not through yesterday's stories, but through today's. May it be so. Thank you again for joining us today. Once again, I invite you to check out dtownpc.org for information about our worship and programming for all ages.